There's no way in the world a modern Christian can line up with the Word of God because he ignores the first thing for which it was written. It was written for doctrine. And here on the Theological Seminar, we study the great doctrines of the Word of God. This week, one of them that falls in the bracket called soteriology. Soteriology is the long way of saying the doctrines that have to do with salvation. And here in today's broadcast, we are discussing what happens when one believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, when we talk about these things, we are not going to confine our marks to the fact that a man is a new creature in Christ, or that when a man believes in Jesus Christ the Savior, he has faith to support a broadcast, and all the modern nonsense we hear preached today. But we approach the subject on today's broadcast from the standpoint of what the Bible actually says about conversion. The moment a sinner accepts Christ as Savior, 38 things happen. And the modern Christian is not aware of more than five of these things. But 38 things happen to the saved sinner the moment he trusts Jesus Christ as Savior. And though he may not be conscious of more than just sins forgiven or peace or happiness, or in these five frothy, top-surface, shallow, skin-milk type of things we have preached about today, 38 things happen. In the illustration of a motor running, gears engaging, and then the moment that the driver releases the clutch, many, many things happen, but perhaps all the driver knows is the car is in motion. And this is a beautiful illustration of what happens in salvation. You may be aware of only the fact that the car is moving, but a lot has happened. As a matter of fact, 38 things actually take place. And we're going to talk about those 38 things on today's broadcast. Now, of course, this is the most dangerous part of the believer's life in Christ, because once the car gets in motion, the devil is very anxious to guide it the wrong way and thus make the new Christian life ineffectual. Even though the sinner is saved and going to heaven, the devil would like to make it ineffectual and fruitless as a child of God by getting it off on some hobby horse like Acts 2.38 or some hobby horse like the five points of Calvinism or some hobby horse like baptismal regeneration or some hobby horse like sharing your emotions or sharing your experience or sharing your feeling. Now, these ditches or sidetracks are to stop the car once it gets moving. And, of course, once it gets moving, a number of things have happened. Now, 38 things have happened. Uh, the material we're using here comes from a man named Reverend Ray Frame, who has taken the material out of Romans and Galatians and John and First Peter and Ephesians and a number of other salient places in the New Testament. And according to these places found the Word of God, the following things happen. In relation to God's Father, number one, the saved sinner has access to God's grace, Ephesians 2.8 and 2.18. For through him, Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The second thing that happens is we are adopted into the family of God as God's Son, Galatians 4.5 to redeem them who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 5. The next thing we have when we get saved is an inheritance. Uh, Paul, in preaching, says that the Gentiles may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. The next thing that happens, of course, is the child of God is elected. Once a man receives Christ as Savior, he's elected. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, First Peter chapter 1, 2, chosen in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. No man, of course, is chosen before the foundation of the world outside of Christ. 
So God doesn't choose anybody but the people who are in Christ. And, of course, nobody was in Christ before the foundation of the world. As a matter of fact, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't in Christ. So the man is not elected until after he is saved. When the man receives Christ as Savior, then he's elected because he's in Christ. The fifth thing that happens is he becomes a child of God. John 1:12. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. There are 38 things that happen to the, to the sinner the moment he trusts Christ as Savior. The sixth one is he gets heavenly citizenship. Our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior. He becomes an heir of God, Romans 8, 17, and a joint heir with Christ. For if ye be Christ, Paul says in Galatians 3, 29, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He becomes a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, not creation, as in the new corrupt Bibles. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We were born with the old nature, the fallen Adamic nature, which is called a creature in Romans chapter 8. Now we have God's nature, and you're a creature that has been born again. The saved sinner becomes a servant of God, Romans 6.22. Being made free from sin, you became servants to God. The tenth thing that happens is the saved sinner becomes a priest of God. First Peter 2.9 says every saved child of God is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Simon Peter says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up not literal sacrifices, but spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The saved sinner is reconciled to God, according to Romans 5.10. And in Ephesians 2.12, we read, Ye were without Christ, you were aliens and strangers, without hope, without Christ, without God. But now you are made nigh, that is, reconciled by the blood of Christ. That is an all. When the saved sinner trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, he sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And Acts 26, verse 18 lists sanctification as a direct result of conversion. So here are 12 things that happen to the sinner the moment he trusts Christ as his Savior. He has access to God's grace. He's adopted. He gets an inheritance. He's elected. He becomes a child of God. He has a heavenly citizenship. He becomes an heir of God. He's a new creature. He's a servant of God, a priest of God, reconciled to God and sanctified. Now, isn't that something? Why, if you listen to the average sermon today, you wouldn't think that even half of those things happened. You've got a bunch of people in this country going up and down teaching people they can trust Christ and receive Christ without even receiving the Holy Spirit of God. And these same people are taking you to a Jewish section of a Jewish book on the progressive revelation given to the Jews dealing with Christ, the Jewish Messiah, to try to convince you that you, a Gentile believer, don't have the Holy Ghost unless you back up and renounce the teaching of Acts 8 to 26 and go clear back to Acts chapter 2 and forget or ignore everything that God revealed since then. Now, this twisted theology is not to be emulated by the serious student of the Bible. Don't you ever be found backsliding to Acts chapter 2 when you ought to be in Acts chapter 10. Whatever you do, don't ever hang around Acts chapter 10 when you ought to be in Acts chapter 15. And when you finish with the Acts, you might as well go on to Romans and find out what happened to you when you got saved, because it isn't in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, the reference we've given right here for uh, 12 things that happened to the child of God, only two of them are found in the Acts of the Apostles. We'll continue. 
in relation to God the Son, when the sinner trusts Christ, he is accepted in the Beloved, Ephesians 1, 6, which you will find changed in all the new Bibles. All the new Bibles accepted by the little campfire girls and little brownies in the kitty camp today that talk about the Holy Ghost have change accepted in the Beloved from Ephesians 1, 6 and gotten rid of it. I suppose the reason why is because they haven't been accepted. When the saved sinner trusts Christ, he is accepted in the Beloved, Ephesians 1, 6. He is baptized in the Christ's body by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost that puts the believer into Christ is no more connected with Acts chapter 2 than your Aunt Harriet's pet house cat. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we read, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Not just the people that brag about gifts they don't have. Not just the people that pretend they're apostles when they're not. Not just the people that counterfeit the apostolic signs that don't have them. Not just the people that have another spirit after to receive Christ and pretend it's the Holy Spirit. Every child of God, every sinner who trusts Christ, is put into Christ's body by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And Paul says, Many of you have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ, Galatians 3.27. And of course, water baptism is not mentioned within 30 chapters of either one of those verses. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism. For ye are dead, Paul says in Colossians 3, 3, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Then the sinner who trusts Christ, accepted in the Beloved, he is baptized to Christ's body by the Holy Spirit, he is buried with Christ by spiritual baptism, and it has no more to do with Acts 2.38 than your father's mustache. And the scriptural perverts and the wrestlers of Scripture who wrest the Scripture to their own destruction, who try to talk the believer out of his eternal security by giving him all that nonsense from the Bible that he can't straighten out, are the people who can't endure sound doctrine. Now, sound doctrine, when I say sound doctrine, I mean the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, would tell anybody listening to my voice who can read, and that must exclude a lot of people these days, that there isn't one Christian in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. Anybody who reads the Bible knows that. Anybody who reads the Bible knows the first people who ever called Christians were Gentile believers in Antioch, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, after the apostle Paul was saved and preaching the gospel of the grace of God. Anybody who reads their Bible knows perfectly well that Acts 2.38 couldn't save a dead horse in this dispensation because no Gentile received the Holy Spirit by being baptized in the name of Jesus. He received the Holy Spirit by the promise of faith. Galatians chapter 4. Anybody who reads their Bible who can read, that is, any sound, sane person, eight years old and over, knows that everybody in Acts 2 is a Sabbath-observing, temple-worshiping, bearded, pork-abstaining Jew. There isn't one Gentile believer or unbeliever in the entire bunch, and the only Gentiles that are there are proselytes to Judaism and are so named. Now, we say that because one must never forget that two of the greatest denominations raised up in the South to pervert the Word of God are teaching that, one, you don't have the Holy Ghost unless you follow Acts 1, or Acts 2, 1 to 3, and the second group teaches you don't have the Holy Ghost unless you follow Acts 2.38. Now, both of these heretical perversions of the Word of God ignore 1 Corinthians 12.13, Galatians 3.27, and Romans 6.4, which say that every believer in Jesus Christ is baptized by the Holy Ghost into Christ's body minus water baptism. 
And that's why we say the two greatest heretical cults ever raised up by Satan are found in the Southland to talk the believer out of his inheritance in Christ. These two heretical groups that pervert the Word of God number in the hundreds and thousands of people who think they can just as right as they can be, and yet when you put these verses before their face, they can't intelligently read them or talk about them or discuss them. All that they can say is, well, you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's the kind of nonsense you get from these campfire babies who never grow up in Christ. By one spirit are we all baptized, the one body, all of us. And our baptism into Christ, Galatians 3.27, doesn't have water mentioned in Galatians 1 or 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 or 6. Nor is water baptism mentioned in the epistle before it, 2 Corinthians, in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, nor is water baptism mentioned anywhere within eight chapters after it, Philippians 1, 2, 3, and 4, and Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. There is no water baptism mentioned in connection with your baptism into Christ, Galatians 3, 27, within eight chapters in either direction. And this is why every unsaved elder in the Southland is teaching Galatians 3.27 as water baptism, because it's not. That can be proved in court. If you don't believe it, call my hand. I got a full house and a roar of flush up my sleeve. A text without a context is a pretext. And woe be to the man that tells you that unless you meet the requirements of Acts 2, you don't have the Holy Ghost. When there are no Christians in Acts chapter 2, no New Testament has been written in Acts chapter 2, nobody in Acts chapter 2 knows about the gospel, the grace of God, and everybody in Acts chapter 2 is a Jew. Woe be to the man that drags you back there to damn your soul by rejecting the truth of the Word of God. Every child of God is baptized to Christ's body, every saved sinner is buried with Christ, and he becomes a love gift to the Son from the Father. In John 17:9, the Lord Jesus said, I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Every saved sinner is a special love gift from the Father to his Son, Jesus Christ. The moment you trust Christ as Savior, you're indwelt by Christ, you're saved by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For there is none under heaven, name under heaven given above men, whereby we must be saved. You're indwelt by Christ. Jesus Christ, in speaking these matters, said, We, referring to himself and the Holy Spirit, will come into the believer and make our abode with him. When the sinner trusts Christ, he possesses eternal life. John 10:28 says, I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. But ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe. That is an all. When the sinner trusts Christ, he has peace with God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep his hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. He becomes a friend of God. Henceforth, Jesus said in John 15, verse 15, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. That is an all. The 22nd thing that happened to the sinner, the moment he trusts Christ is, his name is recorded in heaven. Luke 10, 20. He becomes a fellow laborer whose names are in the book of life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. That is in all. He becomes seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And it raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In a sense, the Christian has already gone home to glory. His body is still down here, and he's in his body, absent the body, 
are absent from the Lord and present in the body. However, his spirit has been born again and regenerated by the Holy Spirit and joined to Christ's spirit. He that has joined the Lord is one spirit. And in this sense, he is at present seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. One time a candlelight said to me, he said, you don't know where you're going to die for sure. I said, I've already gone to heaven right now. I'm in heaven right now. He said, well, I'm looking at you right now. I said, no, you're not. You're looking at my body. He said, well, your soul's in your body. I said, yeah, but my spirit's not all in my body, because that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, and we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and he's at the right hand of God, and we're up there with him. But you can't get that across to an unsaved man who's messing around with Acts chapter 2. He doesn't understand that. The natural man who's counting on Acts 2 to save him receiveth not the thing of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The saved sinner is in heaven in Christ. That is an all. The twenty-fourth thing happens to him is he receives a blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't hope he is saved. He received the blessed hope, and the blessed hope is that Christ is coming to get us. He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. John said, Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. The twenty-fifth thing that happens to the sinner when he trusts Christ is he comes into fellowship with the Trinity. John wrote in 1 John 1, 3, that ye also may be have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And a mansion in glory becomes his. John 14, 2, said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So here are 26 things that happen to the sinner when he trusts Jesus Christ as Savior. Whether he knows it or not, or is conscious of it or not, according to the Word of God, the doctrinal truth of the matter is the following things that happen to this man when he trusts Jesus Christ as Savior. He has access to God's grace. He is adopted as God's son. He has an inheritance. He is elected as a child of God. He gets a heavenly citizenship as an heir of God. He becomes a new creation, a servant of God, a priest of God who is reconciled with God and sanctified, accepted in the beloved, baptized by Christ's body, buried with Christ, saved by Christ, indwelt by Jesus Christ. He has eternal life and peace. He becomes a friend of God. His name is recorded in heaven. He is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. He receives a blessed hope and has fellowship with the Trinity, and the mansions of glory become his. Now, what do you want for a nickel, friend? Isn't that something? Now, you compare that with this nonsense you're getting this day about if you do this, and if you do that, and if you do that, you might make it. Isn't that pitiful? Imagine a man rejecting 26 things that happen to him the moment he is saved because some scriptural pervert comes along and messes him up with Matthew, Acts, and Hebrews. Isn't that a tragedy? Imagine after God giving you all that upon simple faith and trust in Christ, you rejecting all that on the ground that somebody quoted Matthew 24, 13, and Hebrews 6 to you, which he no more understands than understands how to ice skate to Jupiter and back. We're not through. Thirty-eight things happen to every sinner who trusts Jesus Christ. Number 27, he's born again. John 3, verse 3 to 7. And, of course, water baptism is never connected with a new birth anywhere in either testament. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, in, in you, not on you, in you, and you need not that any man teach you. In John 14, 26 and John 16, 13, 
You're told when the Holy Spirit enters the saved sinner, he comes to dwell forever. The believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, 13, in whom also after you believe you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. His body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And the people use Acts chapter 2 to talk you out of that. To these ignorant people, Paul said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? The very idea of trying to teach a person they don't have the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost simply because they're going back to Acts chapter 2 to disprove what God showed them in Acts chapter 10. Isn't that pitiful? That's the tragedy of the hour. People rejecting the truth of Acts 10, that a man received the Holy Spirit without water baptism, the truth of Acts 15, that a man is saved by grace through faith without gifts or anything, and then going back to a Jewish place in Acts 2 where nobody's had the gospel revealed to them in the New Testament sense, and then trying to talk you out of your salvation from that passage. Isn't that the most pitiful thing you ever heard of in all your life? You say, how'd that come about? That came about from the Laodicean church age, where the apostasy is in the body of saved people who think because they're saved and have counterfeited the apostolic gifts that they're equipped to teach the Word of God. They're no more equipped to teach it than a two-year-old Eskimo. The saved sinner is given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit, and these gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 still abide in the body of Christ with the exception of the signs given to Israel. And when God ceased dealing with Israel, Revelation chapter 2, the people who counterfeited these apostolic signs were called liars. And when God quit dealing with Israel at the end of Acts chapter 28, and the apostolic signs ceased, these signs were counterfeited by Satan, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Never forgetting that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable, first of all, for doctrine. You cannot reject what the Scriptures say about themselves without taking your spiritual life into your hands. The Scriptures say the signs, the, the gifts that are signs, are for Israel, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22. Tongues are for a sign to the unbelieving Israelites, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. The people who counterfeit these signs are said to be liars, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, because they're counterfeited by Satan, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, and they're carried on by another spirit that's not the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 to 8. Now, some of you people aren't going to look those verses up because you can't stand the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You're unable to receive it. You are the people addressed in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 6, of whom it was said, They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and shall turn away from the truth, and be turned to fables. That is an all. The saved sinner is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He is forgiven. Luke 7, 48. He is justified. Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 4, verse 5. He is redeemed. Revelation 5, 9. He hath redeemed us to God by his blood. Or as Simon Peter said, you are not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot and blemish. That is an all. 36. When the sinner comes to Christ and trusts him as a Savior, he has an advocate, an attorney for the defense. 1 John 2, 1. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He has the possibility of getting victory over sin. We read in Romans chapter 6 that sin shall not have dominion over you. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, and the lust thereof. You have exceeding great and precious promises that promise to give you the victory over sin if you claim them. And in relation to others, we become ambassadors for Jesus Christ. 
38. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. And finally, we receive all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So here we have 38 things that happen to every sinner who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, and it's the job of two heretical groups in America that profess to teach and believe the Bible, because they quote it, to talk you out of those 38 things. That's their job. Their job is to mangle the Scripture and convince you you don't have these things when you trust Christ. But these things happen to the man who believes on Jesus Christ, and there are 38 of them. I'll go through them again. If you are a sinner and you have come to Jesus Christ and trusted Him as your Savior, now, if you're not in that bracket, this isn't for you. But if you are a sinner who has come to Christ and trusted Him to save you, these things happen to you. You had access to God's grace. You were adopted into God's family as a child of God. You have an inheritance being elected to a heavenly citizenship. You are an heir of God, a new creature in Christ, who is a servant of God and a priest of God. You are sanctified and reconciled to God, accepted in the Beloved, baptized in the Christ body by the Holy Ghost, buried with Christ by that spiritual baptism. You are saved by Christ, indwelt by Christ. You have eternal life as a present possession. You have peace with God as a friend of God. Your name is recorded in heaven. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You have the blessed hope of the second coming. You are in fellowship with the Trinity. You have a mansion of glory awaiting you. You are born again, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven, justified, redeemed. You have God's righteousness imputed to you. You have an advocate before the throne, the possibility of victory over sin from day to day, and you become an ambassador to Jesus Christ, who is blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that wonderful? You talk about shouting ground. Why don't you run the bases on that one, brother? Instead of shouting by some little gift you think you have that you might or might not have depending upon who examine you, why don't you shout glory, hallelujah to God for 38 of the greatest things ever done for man that are done for the sinner by God the moment that sinner trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May the Lord bless you and good day.